Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of love, family, and relationships. Today, I am your host for this episode. My name is Ashley Marie Morales Guerrero, and I am the Sales and Marketing Director for Familias and a Familias author. And we are thrilled to bring you a very special episode today. On today's episode, we are chatting with the Familias team, and we're going to talk a little bit about our holidays. I'll give you some sneak peeks into what is coming out in 2024 from both our podcast and from our familiar publishing plans. So today I have here with me the whole familiar family minus our founders. From our accounting department, we have Christina. We also have our in-house designer and art administrator, Carlos. Our editorial team, which includes editorial director, Brooke, and our blog editor, Shay and the marketing team, which consists of Adina, Erica, and McKay. So hi, everybody. Thank you for hopping on today and chatting with me. I wanted to start the podcast looking back at this year. So since we're all on the podcast today, let's start by talking about the podcast. So I want to know what your favorite episode from this past year was. Yeah, Ashley, there have been so many amazing ones. I think the podcast is just really stepped up a level this year. Just amazing guests and authors. One of my favorites is with Devin Mevis. She's an educator, an artist, and her episode was called Adding Creativity to Your Daily Routine. And she really talked about how families can implement that. So, so I have three young kids and she talked about process art which is not saying go draw a picture of a flower, but like providing art materials and just seeing what they come up with. And I will say my my kitchen table is never clean now. It's always covered in markers and paper, but I really took that to heart. And, you know, my kids, I think have blossomed under that, particularly one of my daughters just will sit down and just start creating. And she'll come to me and say, mom, do we have any streamers and tape? And I'm like, sure. And she comes back with a kite. That idea of just allowing creativity to blossom in your family, with your children. I really, really love that. That's great. I love hearing how you implemented something from the podcast into your daily life. That's awesome to hear. Does anybody else have one that they want to talk about? I do. One that we just did in November is an episode with one of our influencers. Her name is Emily Liebel. And she is a member of the team at the website Run Wild My Child. And she talked a lot about practical ways for families to bring nature and literature together and how it helps with bonding. And I really enjoyed her discussion, especially about something that she calls micro-adventures which I think sounds kind of scary when you hear it, but it just means go, basically going out on an adventure and it doesn't have to be this big, complicated thing. You kind of go out into nature with one very specific, could be very small um, goal in mind and you prepare in advance by reading books that are related to that topic and you can even bring games and projects out with you. And it's just a really simple but meaningful way to connect with nature, bring in literacy and something that you can do as a family. She had great suggestions for going on a hike with your family, but also micro adventures that you can do in your own neighborhood, which I think is great because I have two kids and some days as a mom, you're up for a big adventure and you got your cozy shoes on and all your snacks. And other days you're just barely making it out of bed and (laughs) just maybe walking around your neighborhood is all you feel up for, but you can still make it this really meaningful experience that you have with your family. So that's one of my favorites this year. Awesome. Yeah. Accessible adventures. It's like a really good topic for parents. Anybody else want to talk about a podcast that they loved this year? I really love From Summer Freedom to School Screens, just because things have changed so much since even when I was in school. And even my oldest he will be tested on an iPad now. And it's just mind-blowing to me and so different because 
I come from the time where you're told screens are bad, limit your TV time, limit your screen time, don't use it. And now it's testing is all on screen. It's not paper and pencil anymore. And they're going to be so much more advanced in screens and electronics than I am. And so I thought it was interesting just to understand that it is okay and that you just have to find that balance and set up the uh, contract so that everyone's on the same page and that contract is changing as their ages are changing. And it makes sense. And it makes me feel a lot more comfortable with going to screens and allowing screens in the family and just accepting the fact that this is going to be a part of our life and how we can still keep it uh, decent and everything. Yeah, it is very different with school now. I know I don't have kids, but Carlos and I have little, his siblings, my siblings-in-law now, and they are so smart with their phones. I, I don't know how they do some of the stuff that they do. Anybody else want to talk about the podcast? I have one. So this was back in the summer. It was Paul Mandelstein, and he talked about co-parenting and divorce from a father's perspective, which was really eye-opening for me because I I see a lot of content out there for mothers going through divorce and mothers that are newly single parents. And there's not really a lot out there in regards to content to support fathers. So it was interesting to get his perspective and his thoughts on how co-parenting from a a father's perspective and how to make raising your kids as a single father, a positive relationship between you and your kids. And so it was really insightful, really eye-opening. I think super beneficial for any fathers out there that are are going through this challenge of divorce and trying to figure out, okay, well, what's my new role on now? I have to take new responsibilities that I've never had in the past. I have to learn how to co-parent a healthy relationship with my now ex so that our kids can, you know, see that adults can handle adult situations in ways that are emotionally mature and actually good for the whole family. Yeah, definitely. And his book is called World's Best Dad During and After Divorce. So he really does give a lot of advice to be the world's best dad (laughs) during and after divorce. He's living up to that title. Does anybody else want to talk about the podcast before we move on? Awesome. So we are also a book publishing company aside from our podcast and our blog and our YouTube channel and everything else. We were founded as a company that makes books. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about our behind the book moments or times where we were working on a book that really was fun and exciting for us personally on the team. For me, I know I've been really excited to get back into the in-person trade shows. Um, Being post-pandemic in-person and meeting up with people in the book world has been really fun and exciting. And I know there are so many other book publishers who are ready to create new content and just get out there hearing about their kind of behind the scenes inspired this question. So I'd love to hear from you guys, which behind the book moment was your favorite this year? I have one. So we have two really awesome books coming out in a couple of years. We have one that is Call Your Mother. That's a really, really sweet book about moments that you share with your mom as you grow up. And we have a really silly book called Robots Don't Make You Go to Bed. And we were trying to find illustrators for these two books. And we were just struggling. And we had some people that had really beautiful styles of art, but that just did not fit what we wanted for the book. And we're just kind of, we had like just some struggles with that. And so we have a really wonderful illustrator, Vivian, who's done some of our Robert Frost books. And we actually had her doing the Robot Mom book. And she was had a really cute robot design. And it was fun and we liked it, but it just didn't fit. And I suggested, I was like, what if we have Vivian do Call Your Mother and have this other really great illustrator, Susanna Covelli, do Robots Don't Make You Go to Bed? Because I just, I really like her and I think that she will do something funny. So like, what if we just totally switch these books around and give them different illustrators? And we did. And it ended up being perfect. You know, we had these really beautiful illustrations for Call Your Mother that were sweet and Vivian did a great job. And then Susanna did Robots Don't Make You Go to Bed. And she did this amazing like Tim Burton style mom and child and robot. And so it was just really funny to see 
how we were trying to figure this out and figure out who the right illustrator was. And at the end of the day, we just ended up switching them. And then we were like, oh, well, this is it. This is what looks good. And this is what we ended up really liking. So that was just a fun moment. And now seeing the illustrations for those books, they're so beautiful. I love how they both turned out. We just have been working on the cover for the robot book and it's just super funny. And so we're excited for those, but just know that they had different illustrators in the beginning and they've really taken a dramatic turn for the better as we switch that around. So definitely. And both of those books are coming out next year. So we've been working on those for a while and they're finally coming out. Those are really going to be really fun books. And anybody else with a behind the book moment they want to share with our listeners? Well, I can share. So a book that came out this year was How Does Our Food Grow? And that book went through a lot to be able to come out. We had just this concept of teaching fun about fruits and vegetables, about gardening to kids, and then decided we wanted to partner with UN organization Kitchen Connection. And that's complicated. There's some bureaucracy involved. But when we were able to really decide to work together, the final product was just elevated by, you know, their knowledge and resources. And it really turned it into not just a fun book, but also an educational book. Um, And a book with not just personal significance, like how do I eat better, but planetary significance, I guess. Like, how do we eat better for a better world? And so Ashley and I were in New York when we launched this book and we had, there were two little girls, well, they were kind of little, 11 and 14, that read the book at this event. And as they were reading, I was almost like tearing up because just seeing the younger generation really embrace this idea that like our planet matters and and we can eat in a way that is mindful and i just had so much i don't know hope for the future kind of of listening to them and so that was such a beautiful behind that book moment for me yeah and they also had a lot of really great uh, like commentary on how they thought about food afterwards that yeah. was a really fun event you did a great job Brooke. anybody else want to share a behind the book or behind the scenes moment Well, we are wrapping up the holiday season, which means it's time to put away all of our decorations, retire the holiday songs and movies, and and get back to the swing of things for the new year. And so I want to, one last time, give everyone a chance to talk about their favorite thing about the holidays. It could be food, it could be a song, it could be a holiday tradition that you're just really sad and going to miss until next year. Um, so since I'm giving everyone a chance to answer, feel free to pop in after the next person. Brooke, do you want to start it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. So one of my favorite things that is kind of a tradition, we growing up, we celebrate Christmas. And so my family would set out a plate of cookies and some eggnog for Santa. And one day we did not have enough eggnog to fill a glass, like a very little bit. So my brother said, let's just mix it with chocolate milk, like fill the cup the rest of the way. And we all kind of like decided we needed a sip of that (laughs) mixture. And we, oh my gosh, this is really good. Eggnog had always been very heavy and gluey to me, but mixing it with milk, it all of a sudden had a way better texture. It's just a little sweeter, but still had that kind of nutmeg cinnamon. So that is something I look forward to every single year. As an adult, I drink chocolate eggnog because I think it just screams Christmas to me. And of course, they stop having it on the shelves, you know, probably the next week or two. And I am going to miss it. That actually sounds really good. I don't like eggnog, so I might try that. <laughs> so I- my family's traditions tend to revolve around food also. And we make this pumpkin bread every Christmas. It's kind of a secret family recipe almost. My grandma came up with it and 
it's addictive. <laughs> it's really addictive. And we also like to sing. And so what we do closer to Christmas is take that pumpkin bread around to people that we need to thank, people that we want to show our love to, and we carol. So that's something that I really enjoy doing because we get to go out and see people really fast, sing fun songs, and then go home and eat pumpkin bread. <laughs> so that's something I'll miss until next Christmas. So growing up, my family celebrated Christmas on Christmas Eve. I guess it's like a cultural thing for Hispanics or Mexicans. Everybody opens their presents on Christmas Eve and not on Christmas morning. That's something that we've always done growing up. But like Shay, our, our holidays revolve a lot around food. And for me, my uh, one of my favorite holiday foods is tamales. As soon as uh, November hits, they, they start coming out and they start selling, selling them in batches. And making them is always a, a fun thing to do, too, with family and friends. A good good holiday drink is, I like to drink canela. That's pretty good. Some, I guess, a holiday tradition, another holiday let's see, activity or book or movie. I think that Die Hard is a good Christmas movie. So a lot of people will say otherwise. But I do like Die Hard as well, Carlos. <laughs> what I miss most is the magic. Our holiday tradition, which we started once we had kids, was... We also did the cookies and we did carrots for the reindeer and a little note to Santa. But also I would put Santa's footprints out by the fireplace. And so the boys wake up and they come out and it's amazing. And Santa was here and here's the evidence. And I chew the cookies and leave crumbs everywhere and eat some of the carrots and leave a little mess because reindeer are messy. And I love that. I love it because they are so excited to see the mess and to see the footprints. And I almost think that they like that more than the gift because they just sit there and they're like, look, look how big his shoe is. Look at how many cookies he ate. And oh, the reindeer, they, they nibbled on this one, but they didn't eat this one. And that's my favorite, just the magic of everything and the innocence. And it's just sweet, very sweet. So I am out in Utah and when the holidays hit, that generally means the snow's already been here for like a month or two. Uh, so one thing I won't miss once the holidays are over are the snowstorms and ice storms. <laughs> but one thing I will miss is because of the weather, we do spend a lot of time indoors and we tend to congregate in the kitchen. And so there's lots of warm things cooking, whether it's a stew in the crock pot or cookies in the oven. And I'm one that likes to bake with music and I'm one of two extremes. I'm either listening to Josh Groban and just getting all sentimental and like, oh, these are the moments or I've got Justin Bieber's Christmas music cranked up to the max and I'm dancing around with my kids. So that is one thing I, I miss after the holidays once it starts to get warmer and the kids want to spend more time outdoors. I do miss the, the warmth of being in the kitchen cooking together as a family. Guaranteed, it's not always not always great. I have three kids, four and under. So there are plenty of, yes, moments, but I like to, I like to hold on to the good ones. <laughs> so uh, my family, definitely everything revolves around food in my family for sure, but we're getting like increasingly multicultural. So we have like different food nights as we lead up to Christmas. So my mom's family is from the United Kingdom. So we'll have like a traditional roast and we'll have firecrackers and my brother served a mission for our church in Spain. And so we'll have a Spain night and we'll do like empanadas and we'll do the little cagatillo. And uh, my brother's partner is from Korea. And so this year we're going to be doing some Korean like holiday celebrations. And she's going to teach us how to make some of her food and just some holiday words. And my dad actually served his mission for our church in India. And so we do a curry night. They don't really celebrate Christmas the same way that we do here in America is a little different, but we still like to kind of bring in a little bit of that magic. And so we really like bringing in all these different perspectives and learning about different countries, especially as my family is getting bigger and we're adding in so many different like cultures into it. It's been really fun for us. So that's something that I always look forward to and I always miss because it's just really fun to experience all those different things that we get to bring into my family. So, um, so in my family, we're Jewish and we celebrate Hanukkah and I come from a big family. I have a brother and two sisters. And kind of like what McKay was saying, the family just keeps getting bigger and bigger. 
So when my oldest nieces were born, we started a tradition of getting together over the, the winter break and wearing matching family Hanukkah pajamas. And that tradition has continued for the last 10 years. And it's one of my favorite things because it's just really nice for all of us to get together. We're spread out like on the East Coast and it can be hard to find a time that all of us and all of our kids can get together. But we get together every year and we always have fun choosing which Hanukkah pajamas we're going to all get. And we take a picture on the stairs at my brother's house. And one thing that I absolutely love is that if you compare pictures year after year, there's always a new person. There's always a little niece or nephew or my own kids joining, my brother calls it like the holiday stare picture. And because I have so many nieces and nephews, we all pass things around. So it's really fun to get together and wear all of our matching pajamas. But it's like an extra little treat when we exchange clothes because my kids will get the pajamas that my nieces or my nephew wore and then they're passed down to us and I pass them on to my younger niece and nephew. And so it's kind of, it's something I look forward to every year, but it's it's something that kind of, you get a little bit of like a treat of it later on when you get those hand-me-downs. So that's just like a really fun Hanukkah tradition that we started. That sounds awesome. Now we have to see those pictures because I want to see the matching pajamas. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the holidays. Let's move on to New Year's. So personally, I believe in a lot of New Year's Eve superstitions. Um, So the most common one, obviously, is the kiss at midnight. But I also believe in sweeping out the old old year on the first because it's supposed to be good luck to get rid of anything negative that might have stayed with you. And then I also believe in keeping a dollar in my purse or wallet on the first because it's supposed to make sure that you don't have an empty wallet in the new year. So I wanted to give everyone a chance to share some of their New Year's Eve superstitions that our listeners might want to give a try for the coming year. Even if it's not something that you do every year, if it's something that you've done once, we wanted to talk about it. So I, growing up, I don't think I ever had any. New Year's superstitions until I met Ashley. And the only ones that I gained from her that I remember are going into the new year wearing certain colors because they mean certain things, whether you want wealth and prosperity or good health or, uh, you know, certain things mean certain things. And I think wearing certain color underwear is part of that too. So that, that was interesting to find out. But um, that's the only superstition that I have. <laughs> Uh, really follow and it's mostly because of Ashley. I don't know if I'd call it a superstition. I mean, it's something that we always did growing up. Like you have to obviously stay awake until midnight. And, but then after that, you could just fall asleep whenever. And the other thing you have to do every year is watch the Lord of the Rings, the extended editions. And so my family would watch all three in order to stay up as long as we could. And so as long as you're doing, you know, staying up and watching those once a year, you're going to be good. (laughs) So that's kind of a tradition slash superstition. I would definitely stay awake through Return of the King. Like that would keep me up. Another one, my family, this isn't a superstition, but we just do this because my family has like mostly boys. Like we only have one girl in my family is my little sister. We have a pool in our backyard and we jump in at midnight and the water is freezing and it's like a test of courage. I don't know if it does anything for like how things turn out for you in the new year, but you have to jump in to the freezing water. We call it a polar plunge. And then we see who can stay in the longest and whoever does gets like 10 bucks. So I think that satisfies the person, your dollar, not starting your new year with an empty wallet kind of thing. So you just have to win and be in the freezing water. So It does. And polar plunges are super trendy right now. So you're saying you were way ahead of that trend before. We've been doing it for over 10 years. Maybe a little bit of a like masochist of us be doing that, but it's a good family tradition. So sounds like fun. Does anybody else have a tradition or superstition they'd like to share? Again, it's with food because my family is not superstitious to New Year's, but we always have steak on New Year's Eve and shrimp. So just a nice classic way to end the year and then start the new one. 
Um, we growing up, we always had a cheers. So even as like little kids, we got the little crystal glasses from my grandma and they'd fill it with a uh, sparkling cider. And if you didn't make it, you didn't cheers, then you didn't, you're going to have bad luck. Right. So we did that for years and years and years. And so even now when I'm older, if I go to a party and they're serving say champagne or something different, when we go to cheers, it doesn't feel right. So now I have to bring a mini little sparkling cider bottle with me just in case they don't have sparkling cider because I can't risk the bad luck for the next year. I just have to have that sparkling cider. Cheers. Awesome. So the other thing that people think about when they think about the new year is New Year's resolutions. So I wanted to give us, we do as a team, just for our listeners, we always come up with new year's goals for the company. So we all know what our own work goals are, but we don't always talk about our personal New Year's resolutions. So I wanted to give everyone a chance to share what they're planning for their New Year's resolution this year. It has nothing to do with work. It's just for fun, just for you. I can go first. I can be kind of a control freak and like to plan everything very like detailed. So this year. I want to work on being less control, more adventurous, I guess you could say, more patience and just letting the kids go crazy and make the messes and not die inside that it's destroying everything. Just be a little bit more open. That's my goal. Anybody else want to share their New Year's resolution? It's okay if you keep it a secret. I know some people have a superstition that they can't tell anyone. That's okay too. <laughs> I have one. So Christopher always, our CEO, our founder, always gives us like that we need to make smart goals, and that's how we kind of focus on our company is making things that are like specific and focused and that are going to help move the company forwards. But I also believe that it's really important to have like a silly goal that you can that you know you can achieve that'll just be a fun personal thing for you. And so my goal that I've kind of been thinking about. For this New Year's, it's to try as many new cuisines as possible. I live in an area that has a lot of like cultural restaurants and kind of things. And so I've decided that I just want to try and go out. And so when I'm thinking of if I want to go out to dinner, I, I'd like it at some point to choose something fun and adventurous rather than safe and familiar to me. So I achieve it as long as I eat at least one of them. And I feel like that's a good way to just do a fun and silly goal. And then also to have a lot of really yummy food. So I think that's awesome, McKay. Mine is sort of similar to that, but I tend to be great at like going and ordering different food. But when it's my own cooking, I tend to stick to the things I know my kids will eat. And, but I know that I want to kind of push their horizons as well. So my goal is kind of to try new recipes that I can make. And so like right now I'm trying to learn how to make macarons and that's not obviously like a meal, but they're difficult and they're finicky and, but it's fun to kind of push myself and not get frustrated. And then to introduce my kids to things that they may not otherwise have the chance to try just to make sure that they are open to trying new food the rest of their life. I think that's a very good um, kind of base for them to build their future on and their future relationship with food and just overall health. So my goal is looking at dinner, looking at baking and seeing what new recipes I can incorporate. And we have at Familia so many great cookbooks that I know I'm going to be. There's some I've tried from like Viva Desserts and just a, several of our others that are just wonderful. So that's my resolution. That sounds like a lot of fun. I would argue, Brooke, that macarons could totally be a meal. <laughs> oh, flour, um, right? Right. That makes it there might be, there's an egg in there, I think. My, I'm saying my New Year's resolution because I feel like now I, I have to actually make good on it. So I'm a Girl Scout troop leader for my daughter's brownie troop. And the girls have been asking for the last two years if we can go on an overnight camping trip. And I love going on adventures with the girls. I love 
doing stuff inside, outside, but I'm really not that outdoorsy. (laughs) I'm not really into bugs. And it was very easy for me to say for the last few years, like, I'm sorry, I have to get certified. My co-leaders and I have to get certified and like fulfill all of these requirements and do these trainings through Girl Scouts USA. So we can't, we can't go overnight camping until that happens, but it's now like time is up and the girls are a little, are a little antsy. So my goal this year is to get that training done and, and plan an overnight camping trip for the troop. I like to divide my New Year's resolutions into five. So there's five different goals and, you know, hopefully I can achieve one of them, but it's, uh, I go by a mental goal, an emotional goal, a physical goal, a spiritual goal, and a financial goal. And for my mental goal, we moved uh, back in, <laughs> hate to say this, like April of this year. So we've been in our house a good while. We still have moving boxes and have closets where we just kind of shove things in. We'll sort through this once we're settled. And now we're pretty much settled. So it looks like 2024 is going to be the year where we officially get rid of that last moving box and help my mental state just kind of calm down from all the clutter that we've been living in. If it makes you feel better, Carlos and I have been here for two years and we've discovered a few boxes that were unpacked (laughs) in our garage. So sometimes it takes a while to unpack. And that's totally fine. Um, Does anybody else want to share a New Year's resolution? So we're definitely going to hopefully have some of our listeners try these out. I love Erica's idea of having five and hopefully achieving one. Gives us a little bit of leeway. So I want to move on to our familiar New Year of books. So we all work on different books in different ways throughout the year. Um, And a lot of people probably don't know that books take a very long time to come to fruition and get out onto the shelves. So knowing that we all work behind the scenes on all of our books, what book are you most excited for in 2024? I'm excited for two books in 2024, one in fall and one in spring. So the spring one is actually one that McKay is working on, and I'm pretty excited on seeing the finish uh, results of 100 First Words for Little Utah. Those books are, and they're such a great, great collection. I mean, seeing how Ashley did 100 First Words for Little Californians, I'm sure that the Utah one is going to be just as good. That's one for spring 2024. For fall 2024, it was Gay Picoso. So I love me some salsa because I love spicy food. I've been eating spicy food since I remember it exists. And Picoso is one of those books that we were having trouble deciding on the right title for that fit the content. And I think we landed on a great title and it, the content is mouthwatering. You guys are, you guys are going to love it. If you guys check it out, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. I was going to say, I am also very excited for a hundred first words for little Utahns. This is the first book that I've ever illustrated. So I'm really excited because I illustrated it and I also did the layout for the interior and the cover. So this is just, this book is my baby. And I started working on it when I was a little intern almost three years ago. And so I'm excited because I've really grown because of this book. And I was really excited that Christopher trusted me to give it a try. So this is like kind of my, my genesis into the world of illustrators and designers as well. And so I'm very excited for it to come out this summer. And it is a little bit silly and a little bit fun. And there's some cool National Parks illustrations in there as well. So it's got a little bit of everything that makes Utah, Utah. So I've so many books that I'm excited about. Luckily, I feel so grateful as editorial director that I have my hands in every single book, basically, and get to work with amazing authors, amazing illustrators, amazing designers. So a few that I'm excited about. One is a picture book called The Blue Canoe. What I love about this book, it's the story of a mother and a daughter, um, and they enjoy their daily canoe out on the lake, but the mother is pregnant and expecting a new baby. And the daughter is worried, like, how is this going to affect my relationship with my mom, the time I have with my mom? And I think what this book does so well is alleviate those worries for for families that are going to read it, both in kind of two layers. There's the text of the mom reassuring the child. And then it's mirrored in these illustrations 
of a lake and the plants and the animals around it. And we see a busy mother bird with her nest mirroring what might be a busy mother with a young baby. And, but we see the love of parent animals with their babies mirroring the love that this mom has for the daughter. And that kind of just metaphorical visual storytelling. I just am such a sucker for that. I love it. It's really beautiful. I'm also super excited as a mother myself. um, We're creating a journal called Nine Months of Wonder with Rachel Garahan. And it's, you know, there's a lot of, I think, baby books, right? Milestones for babies. But this book is all about embracing the changes in yourself as a mother during pregnancy. What are your hopes and dreams for this baby? How might this change your life in all these different ways? Who's there to support you? And it's a guided journal. So it's a lot of open-ended questions, but just really beautifully designed, some nice floral spot illustrations. And the package will have this gorgeous foil on the outside. I just think it's going to be the perfect gift for any mom who's expecting. So both of those kind of are a similar audience, but I'm excited about both of them in their own way. I'm really excited for a picture book coming out called A Steminist Force. Ever since we first started looking at the concept for this book, I was really excited. I love any books that are specifically for girls and all about just unlocking the possibilities for girls. And this book, not only is it so beautifully written and so beautifully illustrated, but when you open the book and you flip through it, you can really see the way that the book shows that the possibilities are endless for girls and women in fields of STEM. And it takes you through every imaginable career from paleontologists to all different kinds of doctors to you know all kinds of scientists. And I find it really inspiring, just the, the content matter, but also the way that there's just an incredible range of cultural and ethnic diversity and as well as differences in ability. And I think that it, I love any book where people can read it and see themselves represented. And I think this book just just hits the mark in all the important ways. And I hope that it'll be as inspiring to all of our readers as it is for me. I am super excited for Raising Tiny Humans. I've been following Liz on Instagram for a while now, and I've been getting little sneak peeks and I am pumped. I'm ready because I think I need that book in my life. And raising toddlers is not easy. So the fun advice, the silly advice, any of that, I'm super excited about. I'm really looking forward to Call Your Mother, a beautiful picture book that's coming out. What I'm most excited for is a little bit nerdy. I'm on the marketing team. So I am so excited for the marketing campaign that's coming out to promote the book. Adina and McKay have taken the lead on this and the, the ideas and concepts that they have to market this book and to get readers involved in sharing their own experiences to make the book more personable. It's fantastic. And I can't wait for everyone to see the final campaign. So keep your eyes out for that one and for, for the beautiful book, of course. I've been keeping my eye on a lot of books for a very long time, but I'm most excited to create more content for them. So while you're waiting for these books to come out, I get the chance to create blogs for them, to feature them in newsletters, to feature other deals that will work on these books as they're on pre-order. So I'm super stoked for all the opportunities for more content that I can give people. Yeah, definitely. We do. We tease a lot of content on our social media. So we're giving you guys a little sneak peek here, but that happens all year long if you follow our socials. I think for me personally, the book that I'm most excited for is Hooray, It's Three Kings Day. It's coming out at the end of next year, but it's also one of the first books that we're going to release in English and in Spanish at the same time. We have a few books that we've translated in the past. We translate our books into foreign languages in different countries, but this is going to be the first one that we translate ourselves into Spanish. It's also going to be a new program that we're working on where we're going to release Spanish language books. So I'm really excited about that. 
we have a lot of things going on in 2024. So it's going to be amazing. So one of our 10 habits of a happy family is give together. So the traditional giving season is over. But since this is one of our habits that folks can practice year round, I wanted to give everyone a chance to share one of the ways that our listeners can give back to their communities outside of that season that is traditionally seen as a giving season. Yeah, Ashley, you know, as a book publisher, I just have to put in a plug for donating books. There are so many organizations from just, you know, a lot of neighborhoods have little neighborhood library boxes, things like that. But your local library probably has a donation bin, not only for their shelves, but for sometimes they'll have a sister library in under-resourced neighborhoods. And so, you know, if you have books that your kids have grown out of, or if you're willing to buy two copies of a book, giving the gift of a book, that's something that keeps on giving for, for years to come. So that's one of my favorite ways to give. And there's not a season on that, right? That can happen any time of the year. This question actually reminded me of another one of our upcoming books, A Thousand and One Ways to Be Kind. For me, the giving season, it's a lot about giving gifts, but sometimes just being kind to somebody, bringing cheer to your community is such a great way to give back. And yeah, so I just think going out and doing small acts of service, making somebody smile for once is a great way to celebrate the season. Just to echo what Brooks said, I think donating books is really important. And I've had the privilege over the course of my life to work really closely with the Imagination Library, specifically uh, in my hometown and in other areas that I visited or lived. And early literacy is just so important. And the Imagination Library gives books for kids from ages like one to five so that they have books in the home and they get a new book every month. And you don't realize how important it is for children's development to see how books work and to interact with them even before they're being able to read them. It's just so important for them to be read aloud to and have that interaction with a parent or a guardian or a trusted family friend and to be able to have those moments where they're interacting with literacy is so important and sets them up to succeed in school and to succeed in the rest of their life. And so if you ever have the chance, Imagination Library always accepts donations. Um, no matter how small the donation is, it can just be one single book, but they are always happy to have them. And it's a really great way to give back and just help out underprivileged kids. So I agree. And I mean, even if you may not feel like donating or if you don't have a lot of books that you feel are necessary to donate to a large company, there are little libraries like located in neighborhoods and stuff like that. And I know Ashley and I have taken a carload of books throughout a whole neighborhood and dropped off several books and filled up all of these little libraries in the neighborhood and still had some left over. So I think uh, doing that is is always a good thing. Plus, when, I don't know, if I was a child and I seen somebody riding around filling up, you know, all these random places with books, it would be inspiring to me. So I, I think that's also a good thing too, to see that. I think that we all have, in our own lives, we all have causes and organizations that are near and dear to our heart. So I think finding something that's really meaningful to you, you and your family is important. And then just giving your time, even if you're not physically giving an item or money, I think it's important, especially when you have a family, for kids to see that giving your time is just as important as giving tangible resources. So I think one great way is to just get your kids involved in whatever whatever it is that you're doing so that you're modeling what giving looks like and how important it is. I know that it can sometimes feel like a huge it opens opens up to a huge conversation when it comes especially with young kids, but I think it also makes it much more meaningful for them when they are the ones who are who are giving. So even if they are carrying a bag of groceries that are being donated to a food pantry or our synagogue sometimes packs backpacks with clothing and socks and resources for people who are in between housing and just volunteering that time and, and helping to be a person who packed a bag is something that can make a really big impact on a child. So whatever is important to you, find a way to get your kids involved. 
I am a firm believer that everyone has a talent of some sort. No matter how big or small, we all have something that we can give. So piggybacking off of what Adina said, I think volunteering is one of the best ways we can give. And it can be as big or as little of a time commitment that you're able to give, whether it's a one-off, maybe you volunteer for friends at the library during their weekend book sale, or maybe it's a longer term commitment where you, you're part of a, a committee for the community. But I believe we each have something special that we can bring to the table. And it allows us to give back in a way that benefits those around us, but it's also enjoyable and fulfilling for, for us ourselves. Definitely. Those are all really great ideas. Hopefully our listeners can find something that spoke to them in that and they can find a way to give together as a family. And finally, so since this episode is all about the team behind the book, who is somebody on our team that you'd like to give a shout out to for doing an amazing job this year? We've heard a couple of them already, but if you guys have someone you just want to recognize, someone that our listeners should know, about their work, now is the time to shout them out. So I wanted to give a shout out to McKay. I think that McKay, since becoming a part of the team, has done an exceptional job in all areas, social media, design, administrative work. He really just came in and just came in swinging, you know. So I just want to give you a shout out. Like, you know, you're doing a great job. Thank you. So McKay has really stepped in on the initiative to start a YouTube kids channel. And can I just say, starting a, a new account on a platform has such a steep learning curve. And McKay is always so open to trying new things and bringing new ideas to the table for the company to, to look at and try. So the innovation that you have, McKay, is just phenomenal. And that takes a stalwart person to jump on a new social media platform, but you've grabbed it by the horns and are, I think, doing a fantastic job. So second kudos to you, McKay. Oh, thank you. And small plug, we do have a Familiar's Kids YouTube channel where our books are being read aloud on YouTube. Your children can watch them and read aloud. And it's a, a very fun channel. Our, our CEO reads the books aloud. I was just going to say, I wanted to give a shout out to Ashley because she is the backbone of this company. Ashley always has the answer to every question. And she is just the most fearless marketing leader. And she knows everything that is going on. And she is so familiar with so many platforms and authors and also writes her own books and just really goes for the goal and has been with this company for so long. And I've just been so privileged to work from her and learn from everything that she does for this company. So I wanted to make sure that she gets a shout out. She just is really just a very fundamental piece of our team. And we all love her and love working with her. So I, I, think I didn't want to seem biased though. <laughs> I have to double up on that as well. So our, our listeners may or may not know that we are switching distributors starting 2024 and Abrams will be distributing our books. And we're very excited about that change, but that also brings a change of systems, a change of deadlines. And I just wanted to give Ashley major kudos for learning a new system, teaching us that system um, and keeping us on track so that we can continue to make and sell beautiful books for the world. So thank you, Ashley. I actually wanted to thank Ashley too. <laughs> she is pulled in so many directions. And recently I've had the opportunity to work closer with her than I have in the past. And I'm just amazed by how many fires she's able to put out, how many people she's able to guide all at the same time. So thank you, Ashley, for keep watching our backs and keeping everything on track. I agree with all of you guys. I was going to shout out to Ashley as well. I have been able to work closer in different aspects with Ashley this past year. And it's just amazing. She is amazing. She, I can't even say anything else because you're just amazing, Ashley. Very happy to be working with you. And we are very grateful for you. Everyone said what I was going to say. <laughs> I definitely think, Ashley, you deserve a shout out. You wear so many hats. You have so many plates in the air spinning. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you have the time and the energy or like the brain space, but somehow you do so much. You support all of us in big and small ways and all of them are important. And I don't know what we would do without you. And we, we just appreciate you so much. Thanks guys. I didn't expect to have everyone give me a kudos, but I will make sure that Christopher hears this part of the segment because <laughs> I think it's important. I'm just kidding. 
I actually wanted to give a kudos to Christina because as she said, we're working together more. And part of that was to offload some of the work that I was doing. And a lot of it is not easy. Our accounting system is a little bit outdated. (laughs) And so it can be a little bit hard to learn the system. It's not as um, user responsive as some other ones. And she's been able to pick up all of these projects, all of these systems, and just go with them, which I've trained tons of people in this system. And you have been the fastest to learn so far. So I'm really impressed. And of course, everyone else, I literally work with everyone. Our marketing team has done so many really fun projects behind the scene this year. And Shay has been doing amazing work with our blog and our newsletter. And now Amazon. Carlos, we have a lot of questions about files. The marketing team in general asks you for a lot. Um, So thank you for always being very responsive and sending us the things that we need as soon as possible. And then of course, Brooke is our editorial director. So she is getting our books ready to go, helping us have these really important conversations about content and working with everyone from the very start of their manuscript which is, it's a long process. As you've heard, some of our books take three years to come out. So she starts at the very beginning. So thank you guys all. It's been a great year. And I think next year is going to be even better. So as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familias and our amazing team here for their support and bringing this podcast to your ears all year long. Um, We would be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review and continue listening with us for years to come. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you choose one of the books that we talked about today from Familias. And one step at a time, we can make the world a happier place. Thank you. Thank you.